This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Willickham. Welcome to Parent in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice and, of course, tales of parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you are listening to Parenting Hell with Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe. I did it this time. It's a very special intro um, before our guest this week, Adam Hills, is on. And that's a great chat. Very interesting, isn't it, Josh? He's a... Yeah, sorry, I'm looking around just because I'm... What's that, mate? Well, uh, just before I started, uh, we were just recording the in- interview with Adam Hills before we recorded this at 9am. Stop ruining the illusion. What are you doing? What? Stop opening up. It's not live. I-, I sat down on my computer for something else completely at 9am, right? <laughs> and a roofer had come round to check a leak in the roof at, yeah. at 5 to 9. And I, t- yeah. I said, I'll leave you to it. Yeah. Um, and just let me know what it is and come back, you know. He was just coming around to check it out. This yeah? feels like, you know, an old age pensioner that gets scammed and they're trying to explain it to their younger grandchildren. <laughs> and you're in the front room, they're nine grand down and they're all tired yeah, and confused. It's, it's, it's an hour later and I've just looked out my window. Yeah. He's just waved at me. He's ripping bits off my roof, Rob. Why is he ripping bits off? He's supposed to be repairing oh, the it. the tiles have come off, Rob. He wasn't here to repair it. He was just here to check it out, and he's just gone straight on in to do it. No, he can't. He must be looking for the hole, and he'll only replace them and fix it properly. Why don't you lift up the window and ask? Pull it up and ask him. Right. How's, it, how's it going, mate? What, what, what's, what do you reckon? How's the roof looking? Obviously, you can't really see anything, so I started stripping some slates out. None of the top slates are even fixed. Right. When I started moving about, there's like the slates underneath all broken. Oh god. It's all damp under here. Oh no. So uh, yeah, it's just kind of getting in, in various places. So is it a big job? No, no, no. I've oh, right. just been bought like 20 odd slates, so I'm going to change a few slates and get that pointed, and I think it'll be good. Brilliant. Thank you. Alright. <laughs> is that good podcasting? <laughs> Yes! <laughs> Is that good podcast for you? Yeah, that, was that was just so fun. It was just a really wind, like literally a window into your life. Oh, God. 
Oh no! Is it a big jump? Like, it was literally a man panicking, going from zero to ten within about two. two, two, two seems like a nice guy, though. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? Do you know? Do you know how I got him? Oh. He's the roofer for my daughter's nursery. Oh really? I went in yesterday morning because we. They've got, they've got an assigned roofer. Well, I said, I said, do you know what? Something weird. I, I'm, I need an emergency roofer. And they said, our roofer's here today. I couldn't believe. No way. <laughs> they we... said, they said, here's his number. So I. They were like, he's going to come in later. And then I, I phoned him up and I stood in the street and he said, wait a minute, do I recognise your voice? Are you Josh Whittaker? Yeah. <laughs> then, then he said, he said, I could see you, look up. And I looked up and there was a man on a roof waving at me. <laughs> this is like the start of the Tinder swindler. <laughs> He seems like a nice guy. Then yeah, you've got lovely. a good recommendation. I'm sure and it's like, fine. Good to get that bit of roofing sorted. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Um, sorry. So this episode was supposed to be this is supposed to be a special intro. Yes. To the oh, really? episode. Well, it was in a way. It's never happened before. <laughs> this is hot. This can't be on the radio. Radio bunker. <laughs> right. Basically, big announcement. Big announcement. Huge announcement. Huge this, announcement. Not, is this good promo or bad promo? I think I think no one stopped listening at this point. This is the best we've ever, best four minutes we've ever put out. Okay, guys, the big announcement is we are doing more live shows. Two more live shows are being two announced. Two more, yeah, two, two more. more. Don't go. But two more. They are yeah. in big venues. Yes, up north we're doing Manchester, and down south we're doing London. I've got the press release. Okay, do you want to read that out? Yes. All of it. Over fifty million downloads. Oh, is that the right podcast? Is that Joe Rogan's? <laughs> yeah. Known, known anti-vaxxer. Uh, <laughs> Look, man, we just get opinions on parenting, yeah? Um, <laughs> no. So, oh, sorry. on Friday the 14th of April, 2023, next year. Friday the next 14th year. of April. Ne- not this year, next year. Before because- you give a shit, we can only get it next year because everywhere's booked up because people have been rescheduling tours. It was yeah. as soon as we could do. Yeah, as soon as we could do. Friday the 14th of April, next year, we are playing Manchester Arena, formerly the MEN Arena when I used to live in Manchester. The Manchester yeah. Arena. So it's 14th of April, Manchester Arena. And what's the next one? The 21st of April, the following Friday, when we're doing London, the O2. Ooh, the O2. Oh, the O2. The big room. The big room. The big room. At the, the big O2. room. Your local. It's 16 minutes from my house, Rob. This is exciting, isn't it? The local. We should yeah. have a big party. We should try and have a little after party. Oh, we'll have we'll Imagine have. the babysitting cost in the country. <laughs> so we've, due to uh, demand for the Hackney tickets, we've gone for bigger venues. Um, yeah, it's the only way we could make sure everyone gets a ticket because it was a bit ridiculous, the, the demand for it. So Yeah. Yeah, if you came to the live shows at Hackney and the, the, those little rooms, it'll be like that, but with obviously massive production because we're going to be in big arenas. Yeah, Rob's doing six costume changes. <laughs> Shall I? <laughs> we can't wait to do it. We're so excited. We're so excited that uh, we're doing these. And um, so tickets go on sale the 18th of February. That's next Friday, 10 a.m. 18th of February. However, however, there is a way to get in early. Be the first to buy tickets. Their pre-sale for listeners of the podcast is on the 16th of February, next Wednesday. And all you need to do to uh, get a link to the pre-sale is uh, join the uh, Parenting Hell mailing list. If you want to join, if you're already a member, 
that's fine. Yeah. If you want to join, it is in the description of this podcast. It's in our description on Instagram. So yep. any of our podcasts will have the mailing list description. You know, on your phone, just go down. It's there. I click on yep. that, shove in your email, and then you'll be sent a link that comes alive at 10 a.m. on Wednesday, and you can get tickets before anyone else. That is Manchester yep. Arena, 14th of April, and the O2, the 21st of April next year. It is genuinely how do you feel i feel i felt quite nervous saying that then my hands yeah, are going. you are nervous you're clapping your hands I'm really you excited are nervous. you've got a roof that needs paying you need this to go well <laughs> um but no i, I can't wait it's got the, the the live shows was so much fun and what yeah. i enjoyed about it was podcasting weird because it's quite an intimate thing but like with all the references and the silly jokes it was really i felt like the whole room was sort of coming together yeah. and also all the stuff that we have to edit out of this because it's a bit fruity or we talk about other famous people that we can't really put, you know, make exist on audio in in podcast world. However, if you say it live and it's not because we're not, none of these live shows are going to be recorded and put out. No. Um, So it's all very special and on the night. So we're excited about it because we're going to, we'll be able to say whatever we want. Very exciting. Can I do a thing where I can sort of put a block? You know, you can block Instagram stories. I want to put a block on certain people in my life from being able to buy tickets to the live show so I can absolutely slag them. (laughs) I think Lou's got to be allowed to come, Rob. (laughs) She don't know it's happening, don't tell her. Um, Anyway, um, hopefully you get some tickets. Yeah, we'd love to see you there. They go on sale next week. But if you sign up to the mailing list in the description of the podcast and on Instagram, that's the quickest and easiest way for you to have access to them before they go on general sale on Friday the 18th. I'm also going on Graham Norton, Josh, next yes. week. I'll be talking about it. That'll be on Friday oh, night. I'll be exciting. talking about it. So Who I can... are you going to be talking about to about it? I think Dawn French is on it. Um, oh, yeah. Johannes from Strictly, Andrew Garfield, Natalie Imbruglia and Channing Tatum on Zoom. So I said that to Lou. I went, and Channing Tatum, she went, what? I'm coming. And I went, I bet you are, but you're not. It's on Zoom. <laughs> um, so I'll be on there talking about that. Anyway, this is Adam Hills, and um, I can't wait to, uh, to for the tickets to go on sale. I'm excited. Ooh. I feel like I've sent out birthday invitations when I'm a kid. <laughs> oh, God. Um, right. This is Adam Hills. See you in a bit. Bye. Adam Hills, MBE. Hello. Oh, I forgot. Yes. <laughs> Josh Whittico, MBE. Yeah. So, Adam, we're very excited to have you. I've, I've been desperate, actually, to have you on this, but it's very hard to track you down because you're a very busy man. So when you're in the UK, you're non-stop with the last leg. And then when you're in Australia, it's a nightmare with the time zones. So, Adam, could you tell us uh, your your kids' setup? My kids' setup. So I have... Uh... <laughs> how many have you got? How many children have you got? <laughs> we, we're rubbish at this, Josh. <laughs> I love the idea. <clears throat> We've got a bedroom down there. We've got another bedroom <laughs> <laughs> we um i have two daughters they are 11 and 8 11 yeah. and 8 and then uh, you're yeah. currently you're currently in the uk for the last leg recordings and they're back in australia so you split your time between england and australia but that's not been the case the whole time has yeah it? so <clears throat> up until about 2019 they were here for a little while they did six months here six months there and then 2017 they moved here and then the end of 2019 my girls were getting homesick my wife was getting some work back in australia and so we went, well, okay, well, how about you guys go back to Australia? I can do the last leg 10 weeks at a time, and then I'll go home for a couple of months, and then I'll come yeah. back here for 10 weeks. Yeah. Because at the end of 2019, we lived in a world where you could fly easily between countries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not the greatest setup, is it, uh, it pandemic-wise? 
and we kind of at the time we said well let's see how it goes for a year and at the end of the year we'll we'll kind of decide whether it's working and we kind of got to the end of 2020 and went well this is like a year like no other yeah so, that doesn't count that one doesn't yeah. count right? no, yeah. <laughs> so, so how long how long will you be over for will you not see them for on this stint then this particular trip is nine weeks which is not too oh, bad yeah that's but, tough the previous stint was seven months. And Fuck! That's the I didn't realise. Yeah, that's the longest I've ever been away from them. And Bloody hell! Really full on. Yeah. Okay. How do you how do you like do your days then? Like, how do you? Because obviously they're on. Well, I'm more interested in how Adam's wife does the days. Actually, <laughs> I, I can imagine how Adam does the days. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Let's talk about me because I'm the one that really suffered through all this. <laughs> You're never tired, Adam. You're never tired. I mean, my wife has been amazing. What what made it better and worse in, in those seven months is that Melbourne went into quite a full-on lockdown. Mm. Um, but what made it better was that we, just at the beginning of lockdown, had bought like a holiday shack. Um, yeah. about an hour and a half outside Such of Melbourne. Such an Aus- Australian thing to call it, an holiday <laughs> track. Is that like a beach hut? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like a beach I don't know what's a beach hut. Oh, on, you know, on the front in Margate, it's basically a no, shed. No, it's not a like a beach hut. Okay. It's, big. it's bigger than a beach hut. Oh, it's right. not a shed. Yeah, it was like a two-bedroom house, but it was yeah. down, it's down <laughs> by a beachside suburb. Um, and so my wife moved down there with the girls for two months and kind of used that time to renovate. Yeah, but because they were by the beach, they could go for a walk on the beach. They could take the yeah. dog for walks and stuff like that, or the dog for a walk. So, so it kind of worked out to a degree. But yeah, yeah. I think I, she was my wife was a trooper to just do all the homeschooling, do all of yeah. that, and renovate the house. She's unbelievable, and she renovated. That was not a chore. She That's... loves doing stuff. Like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> she was like, right, I've got this. <laughs> No, she was all over that. Um, I suppose you can't really have an opinion as well on renovation at that stage. You're like in London going, oh, actually, I was thinking of a different shade. Could you redo that? (laughs) There was was one moment where my daughters were taking me around on FaceTime showing me, you know, how the house looked and they were going, and here's this bit and here's this bit. And and this whole whole wall here, this is just full of mummy's special things. No. And I went, okay, is there a wall for daddy special thing? (laughs) (laughs) Got it. A space for a suitcase, one of them little things, you know, they put in hotels. (laughs) (laughs) Because if I say I've got, even if I'm like away, you know, say it's a Friday, I'm doing the last leg and bedtime's going badly, I'll get a text from Rose going, this is a nightmare, right, or whatever. But you're away in the UK, are you still getting text updates of like, I'm having a fucking nightmare today, you know, all that kind of stuff? I'm going through my phone now because I got one last week that I'm (laughs) going to read to you. Word for word, the text from my wife. Um, I have a TV pitch for you. Bluey, but the girls are a bit older, pre-teens. They no longer like playing together. Bandit is away, Chili is premenstrual, and every episode is just either everyone in the car singing the Encanto soundtrack or each in separate rooms watching craft videos and TikTok on their iPads. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> very, very creative moan, that one. I like that. <laughs> yeah, and I can't, you know, I can't complain. Like, I had a, I had a day yeah. yesterday where... I left home at 7.15 in the morning. I went and did a uh, an interview for Australian television. I got on a train to Leeds. Uh, I did some filming in Leeds for the Channel 4 rugby league coverage. I went to the press launch in Leeds, hopped on another train, came back to London, went straight to the comedy store, hosted a charity gig, got home at 11 at night. 
I can't complain about that. No. Yeah. <laughs> and you are I'm tired. Like, that is tiring. That is a tiring yeah. day. Officially, that is. I can, I'm going to let you have that. That's a tiring day, Adam, but no one else will let you have it at no, home. No, I, I tell my wife that and she's like, really? You're living the dream is what you're saying. <laughs> I, I suppose you, you couldn't have done it when they were really little, though. Now 11 and 8 is a bit different because they're doing their own thing a little bit more. But that newborn stage, it would have been hard to leave them for seven months. No, I couldn't have gone that long. But, I mean, even... I don't know. Travel's kind of been a part of our lives, really. Yeah. So from the from the very early days. I mean, when when my first daughter, honestly, when my first daughter was three and a half weeks old, my wife had one of her best friends was over here in the. We were in Australia. One of my wife's best friends was over here, um, and was very unwell. It was in the last stages of her life, and 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 my wife said, "I, I really I have to go and see her," and so she took. Uh, Bibi, who was three and a half weeks old, on a flight. Wow! With, with a friend of hers, over here. So that was heartbreaking. Yeah. That was so heartbreaking at three and a half weeks to have to put my wife and baby on a plane and not see them for ten days. Yeah, I, 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 I really had yeah. never felt pain like that. It was the weirdest experience. It's, it's hard as well because I imagine you know, that, especially with that the last leg because it was such a mega hit and it still is and it's been going, that twenty two series you've had now. So and when you're building that and you're starting that out, it, it does feel stressful to like you can't go no to a series and stuff to be with the kids more. So it's a real juggling balancing act, isn't it? So is, has that been difficult to work out how much you do and how much you don't do because you know you you still got to work and provide for your family as well as see them, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's trying to describe it to the girls. Cause as you know, when you're trying to describe, you know, stuff like that to kids, my daughters yeah. will be like, well, why do you, I actually, to be fair, I've said to them, look, let's see how it goes. And if you don't like it, you know, if, if, if this is all too much, maybe, maybe I'll stop doing the last leg. What? And, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's an good. empty threat, Hilsey. <laughs> well, here's the answer that came from BV, the 11 year old. She said, no, I don't want you to stop doing the last leg. And I went, really? And she went, firstly, you love it. Secondly, you're really good at it. And thirdly, you and Josh and Alex are great together. Oh, there oh. we go. There no, we go. Nice. She should work Sounds like your agent. <laughs> <laughs> fourthly, I like buying things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so whenever I go away for a bit, I get a bit guilty. And then I, and, you know, I'm supposed to be going to Australia for like a whole month and stuff to do my tour. So when I go come back, I always, you know, getting presents and things like that, like, does it does that just get out of hand after seven months, or do you just put a lid on it? Because you can't, you don't want to be that guy who just turns up with loads of toys. But I always do. I can't help it. Like coming back from an airport or something. Very early doors when uh, BB was like two and a half. Um, I said to, I had to go to Montreal for the comedy festival, and I did that thing of going. Well, I was trying to work out what I could do that, and because she was like, "Don't go, Daddy. I don't want you to go." Oh was, God! But the show that I, the gala that I was doing over there was being hosted by the Muppets. So oh, I said, what, what if I get a message for you from Kermit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And so I basically I got a message from Kermit and then, and it's really hard to top that as a gift. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Unless this I time you're like, I can get you a message from Richard Awardy. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Miri Margulies is on Friday. Well, that does. She can swear at you. Funny you say that, though. So for her seventh birthday... I'm, I was home for it, but I'd been away in the months leading up to it, doing the last leg. Yeah. And so I went, right, I'm going to get a whole bunch of video messages, like birthday messages for her. One of them was Miriam Margulies because she's Professor Sprout. Oh, oh yeah. So I ended up with Miriam Margulies, Sue Perkins because she loved Bake Off, and Daniel Radcliffe. I managed to get a message from Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, wow. Um, oh, that's good. 
So yeah, that's kind of that's my thing. I'm for gonna them. have to hunt Bluey down when I'm in Australia. <laughs> it's the only way I'm gonna come back and be allowed back in the house. Do you know what, Rob? I can make that happen. No way, Addy. You can't. You know Bluey. Um, well, I, I tell you who I do know, Aunt Trixie. Oh, yeah. So I used to host um, a music quiz show in Australia, and one of the team captains, Miff Warhurst, is the voice of Aunt Trixie. On really? Blue. Oh, you can, oh my God, all roads lead to Bluey. Imagine that little voice <laughs> note. Jesus. We should uh, form the Guilty Dads Club, where just we're away and we can share voice notes for other dads <laughs> or mums that are away with work <laughs> so they can go home with voice notes. It's called Cameo, Rob. <laughs> At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. So we had a, we had a night recently, well, actually before COVID, where Miff came over for dinner and then sat with my daughters watching the episode of Bluey that she's in. Oh, wow. Oh, amazing. And the girls just felt like they were cuddled up to Aunt Trixie on the couch. They loved it. That's unbelievable. Oh, it's wow. so good, Bluey. It is really good. Because you've been in Thunderbirds, haven't you? Like, would you be tempted yes. to do Bluey? Oh, I'd love to do Bluey. The, the, the funny thing, well, one of the funny things about Bluey is the guy that does the voice of Bandit, um, I think Dave McCormack is his name, He's the lead, or was the lead, is the lead singer in a band called Custard, who are quite big in Australia. That's um, such an Australian band name, isn't it? Custard. <laughs> Never heard of anywhere else in the world, but Custard absolutely ripping it up. <laughs> 12 Nights at Sydney Opera House, Custard. I just Googled Custard and just Custard come up. I have to put band, you have to put band in. They're not yeah. bigger than, they are not bigger than Custard yet. Custard the band. Yeah, so the thing is, if you listen to Custard now. Yeah. All you can hear is bandits singing at the like Oh, amazing. <laughs> and do you, because um, like, if I'm away, obviously, and then I come back, yeah. and as well as the presence, I'll over, you tend to overcompensate in other ways. Mm. Would you find that when you go back, you suddenly, you can't help but fall into a kind of good cop trying to please kind of, that's what I'd do. I'd find it very difficult to then give discipline or anything yeah. like that because I'm like I've only I've only got this two months I've got I've got to really win I've got to really like make these magical moments I'm not coming yeah. in and laying down the law no that's a good point I found that okay so when I went back last year I'd been away for a couple of months in the meantime they had bought a dog <laughs> and that like at least with the kids I, I love the way they not we <laughs> <laughs> Zero involvement in the decision. But you can't, you can't, like, if I'm away, Lou just does whatever she wants. There's no way that I have an opinion on it if I'm not there. No, I think, I think Ali had kind of said to me, look, we're thinking of getting a dog. And I went, okay, you know, I'm away for two months. Yeah. Like, just know that if you're doing this, you know that I can't help for the first couple of months. Yeah. But what it meant was when I. I think of calling it Adam as well. So at least with the kids, I've set up a history of some sort of discipline. So I, I can go back when yeah, I go yeah. back home. Yeah. I, just, I can go, no, no, no. You know, that's not how we do things. Yeah. With the dog, I got home after two months. It had already been conditioned to do things a certain way. 
And so when I was going, no, 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 we don't sit on the couch, get off the couch, he'd look around and go, well, everyone else reckons it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this guy? Yeah. This grumpy old ass. Because I've got, I've, got, I've got a dog and basically, like, if you don't give it, like, the, the, whoever gives it the most love, He'll just go to. So if you're a bit, they'll just be like, yeah, not you. You don't give me food from the table. The kids keep feeding it from the table. So they do give you a wide berth if you're the stricter one, I find. Well, and we, I find with kids, it's, um, this is the worst thing, but the, this is, I, this is also kind of lovely. It's who they go to when they're in trouble, when they're hurt. Yeah. yeah. And there's always that thing. And I'm sure it's happened to you both where when they're little, if they'd fall over and hurt themselves and you were the closest and you'd go to help, they'd go, no, mommy. Oh, Still yeah. happening, mate. Still happening. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> so I had a moment. So my youngest is, is, is she's got a real daddy bond. And so mm. when I went back this time, I was only home for five weeks. I had to quarantine for three days at home before. Oh, yeah. Are you separated from your family in that situation? Well, yeah, we were trying to work out what to do. And there were a couple of neighbours uh, in the next street who had gone away for the weekend. And my wife went, great we'll go and stay at their place so that you can have the house to yourself and at least quarantine at home for 72 hours. Mm. Um, and after the first day, Maisie, the eight-year-old said, Daddy, I want to come quarantine with you. Oh, Because oh. we couldn't hug up until that point. We oh, were still, like, we'd yeah. see each other on the street and go, ah. Oh, my we, God. Oh, I said, okay, mad. you can come quarantine with me, but you won't be able to leave the house. We can't leave the house for two days. And she went, oh, no. Does that mean we'll have to eat takeaway and watch movies for two days? <laughs> Like, oh, that's nice. Yes, we can. So we kind of rebuilt that little bond. Yeah. But there was a moment towards the end of the holiday where she was riding a scooter on the street and she fell and really grazed her knee badly. And I was the closest. So I ran and grabbed her and picked her up and I said, I've got you. And then Ali came running out as well. And I was kind of holding her. And you could see Maisie do that thing where she went, oh, mummy's here. Thank goodness. And then she went, oh, oh no, daddy. Oh. And it was just one of those tiny, tiny, tiny little wins that you get yeah. as parents. Where, and not, not a win over my wife, not no. like a, ah, screw you. But, just, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but screw you. <laughs> yeah, seven months out of the game, I still got it, yeah? <laughs> Don't mess with a big dog. <laughs> Oh, that's not, but they can. Oh, my my youngest is like that. I always, I, my favourite thing is holding her hand on the walk to preschool because it's always cold and she's got a lovely little warm hand. And then she knows I love that, so she stopped doing it now. And she, her things, I oh, don't hold daddy's hand. But then the other day she came over to me and gave me the biggest hug for no reason. And, and it probably, you probably yeah. remember those little ones, but they just do it to wind you up, don't they? They know if you want a hug or not. Well, how old's she? She's four. So they, yeah, they're the youngest. Yeah, she's the youngest. I've got a six year old and a four year old. Right, okay. And they've started, well, one of them started doing this thing where she was like, you don't care about me because you had another baby. The oldest oh, is saying that. And I was like, what? I know. What? I know, but I know it's brutal. I think she's doing it to wind me up. She plays mental games. It's like having Roy Keane in the house. <laughs> <laughs> she's too switched on for her own good of six. How do you respond to that? What, I, what's your... I said, I said, I'll make you right, yeah. No, I didn't. I know I said, no, we do care about that. No, but I could sort of see in her eyes, she was sort of winding us up a little bit. But right. I was saying, no, we do care about you. And I said, no, we wanted, uh, we care about you so much. We wanted to get you, give you a lovely sister for you to play with. We, we had her for you. Absolutely. For, so that you've got, that's because we care about you so much. And then she went, yeah, but sometimes you help her do that. I went, yeah, that's because she's the youngest and needs more help and you're bigger and you know what you're doing, all that old drivel. <laughs> <laughs>
And so you've, you've written a children's book. Uh, well, I should say early. What would you call it? Early teen? What are the age groups that you? I think they. I think they call it middle grade. It's not like it's middle one grade. of those. I didn't sit down and aim a book at a specific age. Yeah. I, I guess I was writing it for my eldest. So it's when she was about eight. Um, she had said to me, like quite concerned, one of those kind of kitchen conversations where she just went, Daddy, I, I don't know when I grow up if I want to be a rock star or a detective. <laughs> as, as if it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. <laughs> this is you're not supposed to be having these dilemmas at the age. <laughs> so I kind of went, well, I think you, you can be both. Why don't you be both? You can be a, you know, a rock star that solves detective cases as you do it. And then kind of went, I think there's a book in that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so she and I then then came up with this idea of these two, and I kind of ran the idea by her because I thought, okay, well, let's see if this so is. She's in on the creative process there. She absolutely is. Yeah. Is she getting a cut. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I even <laughs> sat down with, with her and my other daughter after after when when the book was finally commissioned, and I went, right, they're going to pay me for this. So how about and this genuine art, uh, conversation? I said, how about we split it three ways? I'll take a bit. And then you can each have a bit go into a bank account. You can have that for the future. Oh, amazing. And then BB, the eldest, said, let's split it four ways and we'll give some of it to charity. Oh, oh my word. She's, you need to she's sort her out. She's you need to sort her out, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good now. All good now. Wait, you got a fucking mortgage, mate. Yeah. <laughs> fucking splitting that four ways. That'll soon stop when she gets to 21 and sees that bills coming in. I like the idea. Biggest regret she... of her life, that. <laughs> no, I'm she's on the that phone is... to you. <laughs> She's on the phone to you every day going, can I, get, can I keep a track on sales? Because I do need to... <laughs> <laughs> Look, if we are going to split it four ways, we do need to push this promo one, Dad. Yeah, you, you are going to have to do Sunday brunch. I'm sorry, but you know, you're going to have to do Sunday brunch. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I'll miss my flight home. That's not the point, Dad, OK? More than a week. You know what? She saw, now I've just realised something. She did see the book in the stores last week. Oh, in I bet it's amazing. got quite excited by that. And but then was calling me and was saying, I saw it in the shop, I saw it in the shop. And I'm like, oh, great, that's amazing. And then she went, So when someone buys it, do you get money? So I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so we came up with an idea, the story <laughs> that we came up with. I wanted it to be a couple of 12 year olds. So it's two 12 year olds, Charlie and George, on their first ever rock star tour. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, how do they become like, why are two 12 year olds rock stars? And they went, do you know what? The way the internet, I came up with this story where basically George, George is in a wheelchair and so he sees things from a different level to everybody else. It's almost like one of his superpowers. He spots Charlie, the new girl, across the playground singing to herself and kind of gets an idea and films her in class singing and then together they upload it and then it goes viral and then she becomes basically the new singing sensation. Oh, nice. Very hastily her mother's cousin steps in and decides to organise the tour for her and manage them. Oh, so doing... they would never, never get family involved. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Always the biggest mistake with boxers. The yeah. dad or the brother does the, does the finances. Before you know it, they're in the jungle. <laughs> eating a kangaroo's ass. That's exactly That was the whole reason behind getting him there. And there's always a family member who will step in at that. Yeah, point. oh, that, yeah, they, they're lining up. They're lining yeah. up to ruin your career. <laughs> so, so they're doing their first ever tour. But every place they perform, so Charlie's Charlie's doing the singing, George is doing the social media side of it. Um, Sam, the, the mum's cousin, is is on tour with them as their manager. But everywhere they perform, a priceless piece of art is stolen, like a Van Gogh when they're in Amsterdam from the Van Gogh Museum. And then when the police look into it, all the evidence point to Charlie and George as the people that are doing it. 
Yeah. Lovely. So they've got to solve the crimes and go, uh -huh. well, why does it look like we're the ones that are doing this? Did you enjoy writing a mystery? Because I, I like, I like the idea of writing a mystery. And also, I suppose, is there a point at which you go, like, because it's your daughter's come up with the idea with you and like, by writing it, like, I don't know about you, Rob, but when I write my book, you feel like you disappear into that time or whatever, you know, it's like a, a kind of escapism. Did it feel like a kind of almost way of, I mean, maybe I'm overly psychoanalyzing it, but a way of being with your daughters while you're in the UK by writing this book? Absolutely. It's, it's more so for the second book, because I'm working on the second book now. So for the first mm. one, I got the contract came through on the first week of the first lockdown. So it was perfect timing when all yeah. of the stand up had dried up to just go, oh, great, I've got this to work on. Mm. So that was weird because I would have to leave my my wife and kids in the other room and go on yeah, a story about these two other kids. But <laughs> the, we kind of... Even we, though I'm here with you, I'm going to write about two other kids completely. <laughs> <laughs> At least I was writing about myself when I was disappearing into the other room. <laughs> I found, though, that with the first lockdown, we, we would my wife and I would both try and homeschool together. Yeah. Yeah. And then just try and do our work in the afternoon. And eventually it worked better for us to go, right, I'll homeschool in the morning. Yeah. While you do your work. And then we'll swap in the afternoon. Yeah. And then the next day you can't, we just need to have strict times. Otherwise I'm getting all hot and sweaty thinking about when we had to do that. You know, that's, <laughs> oh. I'm giving up, I'm getting up like PTSD and remembering. You, know, like, <laughs> okay, you wake up exhausted another day homeschooling. <laughs> but yeah, the second book, which I'm about two thirds of the way through now, a lot of which I wrote during that seven month away period. Yeah. Mm. And I kind of realized that, that the characters are either they're becoming more like my daughters or my daughters are becoming like them. But yeah, Charlie is the rock star. So she's the kind of the musical one, the stylish one, the slightly anxious one, a bit like my eldest. George is just wants to is a wannabe comedian and sees everything through the lens of how how is this a punchline, which is a bit like my youngest. And you're you're a comedian and your wife is uh, a musician. So do yes. you feel like that? Does it feel like with your two kids, you've got one that's your wife and one that's you in a weird way? Each of them are bits of each of us mm. in, in a different way. You know, that thing of when you've got two kids and I'm sure yours are probably at that age now where you look at the two of them and go, I don't. I'm pretty sure we put the same ingredients into both of you. Yeah. How is one of you a cake and one of you a sausage roll? <laughs> <laughs> like, you were in the oven for the same amount of time. What happened? And it, it is just a mix. Like, I look at Bibi yeah. and I see parts of me and I see parts of Ali. And then I look at Maisie and, and the same thing. I see different parts of me and different parts of Ali. But Maisie has got that thing that, you know, when you look at some kids say sports wise, you know, I used to be a tennis coach. Some kids would turn up and you just go, oh yeah, you're a natural. You've just, you're yeah, a yeah. major four. You can go, yep, yep. You've absolutely got it. Maisie's got that with comedy and I don't want to, I can, I can see it. She would just come out with the, okay. The best way to describe it. And this absolutely blew me away was, so this won't surprise you to know I'm, I try and make them laugh constantly. <laughs> try. <laughs> um, but we were on holidays in Mexico. Give me some examples of the things you've uh, put yourself through to make <laughs> how, how far are you willing to go? Oh, God. Well, recently I let them draw tattoos on me with whiteboard markers. Yeah. With whiteboard markers? Um, so I knew they'd wash off, but I, oh, they right. said, can we draw on your back? And I went, yeah, okay. And then I, I, they videoed it, and it was just like poo, old, grey. <laughs> <laughs> um but this is so we were on we were on holidays in Mexico and we we're on a family holiday and we'd been driving through Mexico and stopping at traditional towns like old towns and traditional markets and all that kind mm. of stuff and then we went to 
Tulum, and it was oh, yeah. like New Age America. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there, mate. Yeah, okay. So you know the kind of yeah. Oh my god, this is like come on in for some traditional Mayan yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is this that Americans go in there to try? It's and very build? yeah. It's like the trendy place in Mexico to go if you live right. in New York or LA. Okay, I get you. That's a fair description of it. So I would start to, I was starting to just impersonate the characters in the shops. And one of them yeah. was you know, like, oh my God, come into the shop. We've got so much tradition. We have like traditional Mexican Tai Chi, the way the Mexican <laughs> people do Tai Chi. It's amazing. And then the girls kind of started ad-libbing with me going, what's your name? Oh, my name's LaShawn. Yeah, that's right. And after a little while, Bibi, and this this actually sums up the difference between the two of them. Bibi's a bit more thoughtful. She went... Daddy, I think Lashan's name should be spelled L-A-S-A-G-N-E. So it's lasagna, but th she thinks it's pronounced Lashan. <laughs> oh, no. So that was Bibi's thought. That was her, like, let's think about a joke. Let's construct it. I think it should be spelled um, L-A-S-A-G-N-E. But then she started again with the ad-libbing and she went, what's the name of Lashan's store? And I went, oh, my shop doesn't have a name. It has an emotion. Uh, it's this, it's... And I just pulled a face. And Maisie, continuing the ad lib, just went, sorry, can I just check that I'm pronouncing this correctly? Is it completely different? <laughs> <laughs> what is that ad lib? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> if you were on improv, if you were doing an improv show, you'd go, yeah, that was great improv. I'd like the I don't think I've ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, but I don't think an improv show, I've never said that was great improv. <laughs> so... So I guess they came together in the characters. But to answer your first question, Josh, about writing a mystery, what's lovely about um, doing something like this and, and what comedians are really good at and why publishers love comedians right now writing children's books is, A, we, you know, technically we should know how to be entertaining and be funny, but mm. we know how to work backwards from a punchline. You know, you'll know yourself. Sometimes you come up with a joke, like for the last leg, where you're thinking, oh, God, how do I write a joke about this particular topic? And then you eke one out. And then it's other... all ad-libbed, Hills. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we, we, just, we just riff about the news on the night, right? Is it a, co is it a comedy? I thought it was just like news night or something. Is there jokes on there? I'll have to watch it. But some jokes, you get the punchline first and yeah. then you yeah. go backwards from it and go, how can I get there? Well, a detective, a mystery novel, once you've worked out what the punchline is... yeah. Yeah. Like I started writing this, I reckon I'd write about three chapters, knowing where I kind of where I wanted it to end. And then I stopped and then I went and wrote the ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, then and, the, and the moment where they work out who the culprit is. So I knew I had that to aim at. And then I went back and went, right, all I need to do is work out how to get to that point now. You do that with the last leg. You go, I'm going to end with a rap. How do we get it? <laughs> <laughs> Digging out really obscure news stories to engineer <laughs> a huge performance. <laughs> So that's, yeah, and let's not worry about that bit of the news. Um, <laughs> look at this. So you're in the UK yeah. uh, for nine weeks. Do you have like a routine of seeing your family and talking to your family and stuff? How does that work? Yeah. It's a bit of a weird one because of the time difference. So there's mm. there's a there's only two times where I can really talk to them. One is at night, my time, but it's before school, their time. Oh, stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. If there happens to be, you know, I, I might send a text going, listen, I'm up, but don't, if, if it's a stress morning, don't worry about it. The alternative is between, say, seven and nine in the morning for me. Yeah. Is about their dinner time. But it's also pre dinner time and it's also, you know, basketball training yeah. or acting class or whatever. So 
you know, how is your basketball training going? <laughs> <laughs> It's great. I mean, seeing as I'm away from the kids, I'm as what I want, right? <laughs> I find I find that really difficult. So I've I've done stints in Australia for I went I did I'm a celebrity get me out of here spin-off show. So I was oh, yeah, yeah. and I did Adelaide before. So I've I've been in Australia for like about five weeks at a time, a few times, and when, when Lou was at home as well, and I was you know that's when that you know the early stages of the relationship when you talk a lot, you know, yeah. it's like you ring every day, and I found it really difficult because I was never on anyone's wavelength, like you say. You, yeah. you're, you're knackered and want to go to sleep and they're like, hello, morning, I've had a coffee. And then when you're you're like groggy and they're like, right, we've just finished basketball. You, you're never at the right, you know, to the same point in the day. That's what I found the most difficult. You can't to connect with them. Yeah. Yeah. And even, home. Yeah. even now, like, so I'll, I might send my, my wife a message at eight going, right, I'm up, <clears throat> I'm having breakfast. But like this morning, I've got an hour and yeah. then I'm doing a podcast. But if she doesn't get that message straight away or doesn't see it straight away, then... Yeah. You know, she might call me back. They might FaceTime at quarter to nine. And I'm like, oh, I've only got 10 minutes. Yeah. Tell me about your day. And so genuinely, I understand why Russell Crowe supposedly threw a phone at someone in New York years ago. <laughs> supposedly, he definitely did, didn't he? Surely. That's, I don't think that's a thing in dispute, is it? It, 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 it uh, claim that. The story at the time was he was trying to get through to his kids back in Australia. Yeah. So I could imagine that. I, can, I know that frustration of when... Even this morning, I got them on FaceTime and then it froze. And then they're like, Daddy, you're frozen. Come, I, we, I did. I'm, and you're like, oh, oh no. Oh, no, it's horrible. To do this. But do you, but do you think, I'm, I was going to say, I'm like, because my dad was a, a black cab driver and lorry driver and did really weird shift patterns. So he'd always be out in the evenings and back in the morning. And then, like, you know, I'm used to late nights gigging and stuff like that. But Lou, because Lou's mum and dad like, would be more nine to five, like worked in the city, would leave at exact time. And she, find, right. she used to find it really odd with me just bowling in at 10 o'clock going, I don't want to watch a film. And she's like, but it's bedtime now. I was like, well, no, not really, is it? Because I ain't got to be up. You're not working tomorrow and I've not got... So we could just stay up till four in the morning. She's like, can we? I was like, yeah. Like, so what was your, was your uh, upbringing a bit more nine to five or was it a bit more loose like, like your, your kids now? Well, no, well, my dad, were, my dad was um, uh, Qantas cabin crew. So, oh right! Oh, so yeah. So it's quite similar in a way, isn't it? That absolutely. kind of being away, yeah. In fact, so he'd be away not for as long, but probably for a bigger percentage of the year because he, for every two days he spent away, he got to have one at home. Right. So if it was a you know whatever twenty day London trip, then he'd be back for ten. Yes. Um, but in like in a day where there wasn't a there wasn't FaceTime yeah, and it was really course, expensive. Yeah to phone so like i was talking to my mom about it recently and she went yeah dad would be gone for two weeks and we'd get one phone call in those two weeks Wow, that's Bloody hell. because it was so expensive for him yeah. to call from london to australia <laughs> so, so i grew up with a dad who was away a lot not only yeah. that every now and then we'd he'd take us on a trip like if he had a if it was school holidays and he was going to melbourne and back he'd go yeah come on we'll, we'll come to melbourne with me for the day Oh, and at that point, he was the guy that made the announcements on the plane, like he was the, the head of cabin service. So for me, my dad flew around the world and talked on a microphone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it makes sense because I, like, a lot of people can't understand certain like lifestyles, but then it's just that I can I couldn't bear to do nine to five in office. That just doesn't suit me at all. So just different people's different things suit. But that's so mad that I didn't know that about you. That you know, so yeah, he was flying about talking on a microphone. Absolutely, and I remember talking to one of his mates once. He, what, he didn't also sit in a wheelchair and film kids singing, did he? That's <laughs> a separate, a separate link. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then like spending all day sitting by a hotel swimming pool. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, which is what you think of the comedy gigs that we've done in the early days where you'd go, I don't know, they'd go to Singapore and do three nights with three other comics and you'd yeah. just sit in the pool all day and then do a gig at night. And I remember talk, talking to one of my dad's mates and he went, yeah, that's what we used to do. Yeah. We used to look at each other and go, this is the best job in the world. Oh. <laughs> I did this, I've done the South Africa gigs in Johannesburg and I was around the pool like in the day and there was like, Weirdly, every couple of days, because I was there for about five days, every couple of days there was a big group of like 20 women, a couple of gay guys. And I was like, that's a weird place for a hen do. And then <laughs> another lot came and it was another like sort of, sort of mixed stages of women and a couple of gay guys. I was like, what is going on here? And then I was like, oh, it's BA Cabin Crew. I thought it was a random hen do destination, Johannesburg Casino. The inflatable penises were a bit much, weren't they? I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. Like you, like it never occurred to me that other people's dads didn't do that. Yeah. And it was, yeah. I remember doing, oh, do you the, the Hyena Comedy Club in Newcastle. Yeah, was that a, was a notoriously tough comedy club. Tough it, was, it was a hard club. It was, they were the kind of audience that would metaphorically keep punching you until you got up and then they'd go, do you know what? He's still standing. Fair play to you. Yeah. 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 But back in the day. And I, I never got up. <laughs> They're still punching him. <laughs> so back in the day, if you played that club, you stayed at an apartment that they that the club owned, or that one yeah. of the comedians owned, and whoever else was on with you that weekend, you'd share an apartment with them. And so I had a couple of weekends in a row where I shared with Frankie Boyle. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and Frankie and I became quite close, and we'd sit up. You know, You're very similar comedians, Hilsey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would be surprised. Frankie and I would sit up until all hours drinking cups of tea and talking about like Tai Chi and Taoism and the universe and Terence McKenna and all this amazing stuff. Yeah. To the point where the next time I was on Mock the Week, where you do your little stand-up bit, this the wheel of stand-up. Yeah. I'm doing one of my bits and then coming back and standing next to Frankie and he just leant over and he went, Good chi, really <laughs> good chi. <laughs> Wait, can I just ask on that Mock the Week thing? When a topic came up that you had stand-up on, you must have felt that is a stroke of luck. <laughs> when the wheels spun, you must have thought, I can't believe it. Such I'm good chi. What chi <laughs> from the wheel? Every time. I got I got lucky. I don't know about other people, but every yeah, time. Yeah, I've gone. never seen anyone not have something. <laughs> and you'd think in 20 years, it would just go to like rhubarb. And, and, and everyone look at Ed Burns going, I've got nothing, lads. Hugh Dennis is like, oh, I can try, but fucking who's got stuff on rhubarb? But luckily it was stuff like trains and, you know, Mickey Flanagan's life, things like that. How was your routine on Mickey Flanagan's life, Rob? <laughs> I'm still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Frankie and I got talking and somewhere we were talking, I think I was just talking about, you know, my dad working for Qantas and he was talking about how his dad would come home from work at maybe seven or eight at night and they'd only see him for maybe half an hour and then they'd have to go to bed when they were kids. And it was the first time that it occurred to me that, oh, that's what most dads did. Yeah, yeah. Most dads had nine to five jobs and or maybe even a little bit longer. But for me, dad would be away, like I said, for 20 days and then you'd come home from school and he'd be there at three in the Yeah. Hour. It's yeah. like a feast or famine, isn't it? And you, you actually get dedicated time. I think I say sometimes people can misconstrue it and you think, oh, you don't see your dad. But then like, I remember that my dad would have like a week off or something. He's properly there kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. So now, you know, I, I try and do that with my girls. If I'm home, I'm home yes. and I'm there. Yeah. And there was one thing that my youngest used to, or still does, that I used to find a little bit annoying, but this trip back, I kind of went, oh no, this is actually a compliment. So when she would have a friend over, and this is how the, the whiteboard markers came about on my back, 
she had a friend over to play and she would come up and go, Daddy, can you play with this? Can we play jails? I don't, do you, have do your you kids play played jails? jails? What's jails? What's, no. no. They just send you. Well, like pressing the cell block H kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it, basically all it consists of is, Daddy, you're in jail. You have to go over there in the corner. You're not allowed out. And I'm like, why? What have I done? Well, you, <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, you know what you've done. Go and stand on the <laughs> they, they put me on the timeout step. They don't call it jail, but they go, you've been naughty, go on the timeout step. And they sort of invent something that I've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I, a bit similar, I think. I think they just like having a bit of power over you. Yeah. Hands on hip, pointing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Maisie would... Uh, jails makes it worse, though, because you're like, I literally haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> you get really defensive. Time out gives you a bit of hope, but jail, <laughs> how long? <laughs> no, any bail? Australian so, justice is wrong again, isn't it? It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, just panicking about Chopper Reed and all those stories <laughs> for Australian, <laughs> Australian prisons. So Maisie will do that now. She'll go... Uh, and when what happened with the, the tattoos came about because it started with a makeover. She had a friend over and she went, Daddy, can we give you a makeover? And there was a little part of me going, no, this is why we ask you to have a friend over. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go off and do your own thing. And then I kind of went, no, actually, I think that's kind of a compliment. If, if you've got a friend over, but you still want me involved in your games, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to take that as a compliment and I am going to come over and, yeah, you can do a makeover. You and your friend can do a makeover and play jails or draw tattoos or whatever you want to do on me. So, Do you think the tattoos were so you'd fit in in jail? <laughs> <laughs> they were just affiliating you to a gang. <laughs> you know. Yeah, oh, you're a blood yeah. or you're a crip. Let's just yeah, check. Yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> But what makes that worse is that my elders wrote back on my back and front on my front. And oh, if she, no. If she's doing that to make things easier in jail. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you some prank, a toy for a big boy. <laughs> the bizarrest thing that you're up to at the moment, Hills, which I know you're not on here to promote, but uh, you're now the face of uh, Rugby League in the UK. <laughs> no. You're the face of Rugby League? I'm the face of Channel 4's Rugby League coverage. In Channel 4, Rob, you're not going to believe this, have bought the yeah. Rugby League. What a, what a thing they? to fall into Adam's, Adam's Wow, lap. that is per You love, you, you play, don't you, up north, don't you? Is it for Warrington you go and play? For? Yeah. You still so play I, for them? I play in the disability, Warrington's Disability Rugby League team, and I've been doing it for about four years. Yeah. And, uh, and no offence, Adam, but I sort of assumed that. I didn't think you were going pro in between. <laughs> seven months, you know. <laughs> I think that would be the headline, that you are now <laughs> with a... With a prosthetic leg, playing full belt rugby league. to get another job that involves travelling around the world. I don't yeah. understand. He's going to actually be in the actual Olympics now, you know. <laughs> well, I, I actually, when they offered me the job, I'll be honest, my first thought was no, because I went, no, you, you need an expert. Like, I, yes, I play and I love it. Yeah. But you want a proper rugby league commentator. And they went, oh, we're not letting you commentate. <laughs> <laughs> So, so are you presenting it or are you just doing that promo for it? Like you no, got sort of the anchor or I'll be I'll be the anchor of it, but I'll have... uh, I think it needs that though, because I watch rugby league. I prefer that to union because it's a bit more exciting, I think, when I've watched it. But yeah. I, I feel like sport sometimes doesn't have that entry point, right? I see you go, Oh, it's Adam Hills. Oh, the last guy, the funny guy. Oh, he likes this. I like him, I'll probably like it. So what is it? And then your passion will come through. And yeah. I think it makes it I think you need those people that are the the, the middle ground between the sport and the public. And I think it's perfect really, because if I if you weren't doing it and I switched it over and it was sort of like a sports person, I I didn't really know i'd be like oh whatever but if i see you go oh okay what's this then i think it's a good way in to be honest i think they've made a great decision guys that's what i'm saying well done <laughs> channel four it's god even just hearing you say that's interesting because 
I, I used to host this music quiz show in Australia and I'm not, I'm not a music nerd, but I love music. Yeah. And I kind of realized while doing it that my job was to translate the music yes. nerd knowledge to the people at home who might yeah. not know. And so I think I'm going to try and approach the rugby league the same way and go, look, I love this game. Here's yeah. why I love it. And these guys are going to tell me. Yeah, all- they're the experts, yeah. you know. And I'll try and translate that for you at home. And in many ways, I hate to admit this, but me, you and Alex aren't experts in the news. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. There you are. So what your job is, Hills, is every time you get a job is, can we get that guy in that doesn't know much about this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I think even if you do, like I, I know quite a lot about bo- boxing now. I've become a bit, I've probably nerded out of it and I could probably have a semi-serious conversation about the tactics of a boxer, but I don't, I'll never know as much as a proper boxer or a proper boxing expert. No. So my skills are whenever I do any sort of boxing coverage is going, oh, this is exciting because that person doesn't like that person and he's quite good aggressively, but he's got more skills and just break it down really simply rather than trying to be like I think some people get that's why with football coverage I find I don't give a shit about zonal pressing play you know when they go oh the zonal pr-, I'm like shut up just let the experts say that just be like entertaining and explain it simply I think yeah you sometimes get sports presenters that want to show that they know what they're talking about yeah they're, they're not comfortable with being the person that's and it's a difficult job the person who's good at linking it all together and being interested and asking all these questions I so think Mark Pugach is really good. I think Mark Pugach yeah. is great. He's really good on the football. You got Gary Lineker. He's all constantly going on like he knows about football. What does this guy <laughs> know? <laughs> well, I remember when I hosted the quiz show in Australia. One of the we had a guy come on as consultant who basically direct, directed Paul Hogan's um, TV show. He directed all the chat shows in Australia that that had come before us. He directed Crocodile Dundee. Like he was. Oh, he what was a guy! The guy, and he kind of taught me how to be a TV host. You call that presenting? Did he say that to you? (laughs) You call that presenting? (laughs) Sorry. That's not a clapperboard. This is a clapperboard. (laughs) He basically said hosting a TV show is like hosting a dinner party where the camera is the guest that's just arrived and doesn't know anybody else there. So your job is to go, oh, hi, welcome. This is you know, Josh, this is Alex, and here's what we're talking about tonight. And yeah. if they talk about something that the camera or the guest might not know, yeah, then it's your job to go, hang on for a sec, I'm just going to explain this to you up to speed. Yeah. Cool. Okay, let's get it going. So um, oh, that's a great tip. Wish I knew that. Have a TV with video clips at your dinner party, so there was one, there was one particular show that like two or three episodes in, I think it was, and there were two things that happened. Firstly, uh, I think someone mentioned Limp, Limp, the band Limp Biscuit. Oh yeah. He, who was the consultant watched the episode back and we went, what's a Limp Biscuit? And I went, oh, it's a band. It's like a, a kind of nineties, but it's a kind of heavy. The rock. chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water kind of vibe. That's <laughs> yeah. that. That's yeah, a yeah, big yeah. Limp Biscuit. I was a big Limp Biscuit fan guys. I'm, right, I'm yeah. yeah. I've yeah. got, can I just ask? There's an open goal with Limp Biscuit there, Hills. Were you doing the leg stuff back in the day? Was <laughs> no, that... I wasn't doing the leg stuff. The key point was, he said, well, so why don't you explain that to me as a viewer who Limp Biscuit are? Because I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And you can do it in a funny way as well, can't you? Yeah. yeah. And he said, you don't even, all you have to do is go... Limp Biscuit, of course, were the '90s. This '90s band, really in your face. Fred Durst, backwards red cap, rolling, rolling, rolling. That's all you need to do. 
Rob's just hit, another... just, just for the record, Rob's it... just hit his mic rolling. Yeah, <laughs> I did. It's quite hard, actually, to do that. It's quite a talent, Fred, though. So I don't think he really got respect he deserved on the new metal scene. <laughs> but then there was another moment where someone brought up a really technical term, and I let it go, the conversation go, and Peter said, what is, what's that term mean? And I said, to be honest, I don't know. And he said, then ask. He yeah. Said, because yeah. You don't know, the viewers don't know. And yeah. better off asking, making yourself look like a bit of an idiot, but at least it's being explained, than not asking and then people going, oh, well, I don't know what they're talking about, and then they turn off. You do that's that, my, Rob. That's you, my you're entire very good career, at that, Rob. Yeah, but like, yeah, I've always, I've never really been embarrassed. Not, I think, because I've never really thought this. Well, it's a little bit deeper, but because I've never really had much respect for myself, sort of educationally, because of bad experiences at schools, I never really had any sort of expectation or ego to lose by not knowing because everyone automatically assumed I never knew. So yeah. it, actually, I think I've become way more informed because yeah. I'll, cons I'll be in a group of 10 people at a work event with people way higher than me. And they'll say something, go, what's that? I don't know what's going on. And then they'll explain it. And then you find out. Whereas if you just pretend to know, you never learn basically. But I think yeah. that came through lack of expectation. And I, so you've got nothing to lose if you just, you know, everyone already thinks you don't know what it is. <laughs> Also, They've already assumed I don't know, so I might as well just confirm it. What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and in a setting like that, having someone like you is invaluable for everyone else there. Yeah, and also it makes the... Per it makes... What's mad is you think, oh, my God, if I don't know this thing, I'm going to look stupid and everyone's going to think bad of me. But in reality, what happens is you find out, which is a positive, and also the person you're asking feels really good. Yes. yes. They yeah. feel powerful and then they like you more. So actually, by doing that, they're like... I like that guy. No, you don't. You like the feeling you get by being around me. It's like when blokes go, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really into sort of, you know, I love women that are funny. And most of the time they go, no, you just want a woman that laughs at you. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. I've seen them in a pub. <laughs> but yeah, that is such good, that's such good advice for presenting, yeah. especially the dinner party thing and asking questions. Because if, yeah, if you don't know, then the, the audience won't, will they? No, absolutely. And so that's kind of what I'm going to try and do with rugby league. Like they've, yeah. they've given me experts. I've got proper people around me and I'm just going to ask loads of questions. And it'll probably be the questions that I genuinely want to ask. I'll be like, okay, well, why are they winning? And <laughs> basically why are yeah. they they're not? I don't get it. What's going on? Yeah. I do, I do, when I watch rugby, I do sort of think there's no way those two play the same sport. What's going on with their position? Because you see a bloke <laughs> that's like a well like that and then like a little skinny fella i'm like well he must be on the wing or something but god knows oh that's brilliant though well done mate good luck with that that'd be that'd be yeah. great fun it's and it's lovely like i was up in leeds yesterday helping you know for the for the press launch and it was just i was out the front of channel four in leeds just filming a little bit and this guy walked up while we stopped filming just came over and shook my hand and went good luck for saturday and then just just made me realise how much it really means to rugby. Yeah, also, as well, like having watching, you know, someone with a disability talk about sport and and like and engage in it and say you're a fan of it and you play it, but in such a casual, throwaway way, rather than it's sort of a proving a point kind of thing. Just yeah, so right. good for kids watching it. Yeah. And, you know, if they love rugby, you sort of like when I was a kid and someone had disability and talked about rugby, would the, the 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 vibe of the class would be like, well, what do you know about rugby? But then right. you know that kind of thing of because you like, well, you can't play it kind of thing, which is obviously a terrible, ignorant opinion, but. What what the culture was like but I think honestly and I've, I've said it before to Alex and you as well like what you've done in the last leg is absolutely unbelievable and I think is for someone who's sort of outside of it I think it's amazing and you can see it with kids that can go oh well those guys do that and you know they can do they can come play the sport or sit and talk about it and everyone listens properly so I think it's remarkable and I think you should be really proud of it to be honest especially you've, for you've young kids one of the, you've forgotten yeah. one of the people who does the last leg there Rob yeah, and you as well Josh well done you <laughs> even though you know Sort of there, cheering them on. 
<laughs> to be fair to Josh, Alex, Alex will often say to me, I don't think Josh gets the appreciation that he deserves for being an able-bodied person, being thrown into the Paralympics. Yeah. This disability chat. And not getting cancelled. Surely you must have said something <laughs> wrong by now. Just by accident. <laughs> Rob, tell him, just before we end, tell Hilsey about your hotel room. Oh, you I, don't, oh, I don't know if you know about this. I went to, uh, I was doing a gig in Derby and uh, they gave me the, um, the yeah, correct me if I get it wrong, but like the uh, the accessibility room. So the room that's okay. sort of designed if you're in a wheelchair or struggling to get about with all the, the you know, the bars for the shower and the low, to- or, you know, that or yeah. the low sink and stuff. So I went in there and, and all that, the emergency called and I, was, and I went to the reception and went, oh, look, you've put me in the, in the sort of wheelchair accessibility room and, you know, do you want to move me in case someone checks in that needs it? She went, oh, don't you need it? I was like, no, no, I don't. She was like, and I'm stood up at this point as well, to be fair, like, you know, and and obviously not in a wheelchair. I went, no, I don't need you, but you're disabled. And I was like, well, I'm not, well, no, I'm not disabled. She went, yeah, you are, you're on last leg. And I went, oh, I'm not Alex Brooker. She went, no, you're Josh, you're disabled. (laughs) I said, He's not. He, I went. Actually, remarkably, he is able-bodied. I know you wouldn't believe it, but he's, you know, technically, you know, on paper, medically, able-bodied. Wow. <laughs> I think, I think, Josh, you know, you will have come a long way when you can go to Google. You can start typing the sentence "Is Josh Whittacombe," and the next word won't be disabled. <laughs> yeah. It'll probably be cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Josh, do you want to ask the last question? I mean, it's probably impossible for Adam to answer this one without um, getting his trouble. Yeah. Well, we we like to end always um, with um, asking uh, the same question, because Matthew Crosby, who you know, uh, came on, and uh, his wife's a big fan of the show, and um, he used it as an opportunity to uh, say something that annoyed him about her parenting so that that he hadn't confronted her about, (laughs) so that he... (laughs) Uh, which was hanging, what was it, hanging the bibs on the tap? Yeah, no, no, ha- hanging the bibs when they were wet to dry on the oven door because they just dripped on the floor. And he was like, why don't you just put them in the sink and let them strip in the sink? So basically, is there something that your partner does parenting-wise that annoys you that you haven't really brought up? And if she were to listen to this, she'd probably go, yeah, he's probably right. And it would a- avoid an argument. I mean, this is very difficult for you to say in a flat on your own, the other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my, she's just a bit distant. Doing, <laughs> my wife's doing an amazing job on her own. Yeah. <laughs> so for that whole seven months, and there's nothing she did wrong in that. <laughs> you know what? I think that's the perfect bend. I think that's bad. <laughs> we can't put this on you, Adam. You've already yeah. got enough groveling to do. <laughs> um, thanks so much, mate. Box Good luck. Like Detectives is yes. out, and I thoroughly i I've started reading it and thoroughly enjoyed it. Even though it's not for me, Adam, it's not for it's not for it's not for thirty eight year old men, but buy it for your children. <laughs> what what age would you say would be your, the youngest child you should buy this for? I mean, it's it, it, technically nine to twelve, but if you, I think if you've got an eight year old who's a good reader, then probably eight. But I tried to write it in a way that doesn't talk down to kids and like yeah. You know, I, you know, my kids love it when, like, my, my daughter, for instance, wanted to play bass. She wanted to buy a bass, a bass guitar. Yeah. Mm. And she's, a, like, she's a really good drummer. Um, and she said, you know, Daddy, I, I, and she was upset, and Mummy won't buy me a bass. And I kind of sat down with her. <laughs> and said, right. So there's I'm, a sentence that's never been said. Mummy won't buy me a bass. <laughs> and I said, right, I'm going to talk to you like a grown-up now. Okay, I'm going to talk to you like as if you're another adult. And she went, okay. And I went, what if you're shit? <laughs> I went, okay, let me put it this way. You wanted to play drums, so we sent you to drum class. 
to work out if you like it, if yeah. it's the kind of instrument you really click with, and if you're good at it. And after, you know, a couple of months when your drum teacher went, oh, she's great at this, we went, good, well, let's buy her a set of drums. Yeah. So what if you turn up for your first lesson and go, oh, I don't like it? Or, yeah. oh, this isn't the instrument for me. Or, oh, I'm shit at this. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no point. And she kind of went, yeah, all right. So I said, so look, have lessons. We'll yeah. take lessons, totally. And if you love it and you think this is the instrument for you and you think you're good at it, then totally we'll buy you a bass. And I need to start doing that. That's a good technique because I've bought a taekwondo suit after one <laughs> lesson and she refuses to wear it. It's too tight and she don't like the belt. So that'll just sit in the drawer. <laughs> 38 quid down. So my thought when I'm writing the book was I want to write this to kids as much as possible as if they're adults. I don't want yeah. to So I'm hoping then that means you can read it as an adult. I mean, it's a pretty easy read, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. it's still enjoyable for an adult because it doesn't feel like, oh, this isn't aimed at the me. Best Best things for kids, TV, books, all those things, Bluey, are things that adults can enjoy. Exactly. I, I could. We could do an entire other podcast of me just talking about how much I love Bluey. Yeah. I know. I, 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 know. I, I, I could do one on favorite... Mr. Tumble, but it would be creepy. So I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you with my favourite Bluey fact. Yeah. Yep. Well, I hope it's a Bluey fact. I've heard it, and I'd, I'd hope to think it's true, is that when they sold Bluey to Disney and Disney+, Plus, uh, Disney originally said, great, uh, we will buy this and we're going to, we'll just, we're going to revoice it with American accents. And the owners of Bluey went, well, in that case, you can't have it. You can only oh, have it if you oh. can get Australian accents. Yes. Good work. Great work. We tried to do that with the last lag, but you did insist. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, Adam, so much. Thanks, That's brilliant. Oh, That's cheers, guys. Perfect. Cheers, um, mate. Good luck with the book. Thanks. Adam Hill's MBE there. Um, I found it weird at the start, Rob. The dynamic had changed. Yeah, you didn't know what to do. You were in the big boy chair. You was control. You was dominating hills, and you didn't know what to do. I didn't know. Normally, how to you, you just on the end of the sofa, legs crossed, just making just a snide it, comment now and again, nipping in and out. But all of a sudden, <laughs> look at you—you're you're large and in charge. Yeah, it's like kind of. Oh, such a boring analogy. But I was going to say it's like if you could take a kind come, of. Come on, mate. It's not stop you before. <laughs> Take someone who's just like a goal scorer and then they've got to go and play in midfield and actually try and kind of control yeah. the game. And I'm like, no, I just pop up and not get the goal at the end. I I'm not, I've not got an engine for this. <laughs> yeah, I'm too tired. Rooney, Rooney's gone deep. Um, but, you know, he's got really good. That's so interesting, though, about like, that's mad, his lifestyle, isn't it, of the being away from home. But everyone's different, isn't it? I do think, I find that, like, people go, oh, my God, how can you be away for a month? But then, like, I'll literally have a month off over Christmas. Exactly. You know? And I think there is this feeling that, oh, you're on tour, you're away a lot. But there is some people who work nine to five and it's, you do, hardly get to see your kids then anyway, e even if you are in the house. It's just really difficult. Like, it's just different lifestyles, isn't it? I'd really struggle to do nine to five and not see them every like morning and, and most evenings yeah. and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's what it is. And, you know, everyone's different. That's why the podcast's good because people um, get to hear about other people and how they're doing it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. And also some really great Mot the Week stuff. I really enjoyed that back and forth. I really enjoyed Ricky that. Flanagan stuff. That was really good. That was really, that felt really good. <laughs> Do you know what Vintage, it reminded Beckett, me of? Beckett, Do you know what, what? it reminded me of? The golden days of Mot the Week. The golden days of Mot the Week. Oh, me, oh. you, Romesh, Acaster, me. Oh, I loved it. Back and forth. In off the chest, top corner. Yes, please. Um, right, uh, we'll see you next week. That um, was Adam Hills. Yes. Oh, also, uh, do sign up to the pre-sale for, yes. uh, for the live dates that are going on sale. They are going on sale 
next uh, week. Wednesday to people who are on the mailing lists. If you want to get tickets to come and see us live on these tour shows, please um, go to uh, either the Instagram account where you can find the mailing list in the bio or on the description of this episode. If you a little little thumb it down on your phone, um, you'll, that sounds horrible. Um, but basically, yeah, there's a link to it. You'll find a way. We'll hope to see you there. See you on oh, Tuesday. Please buy, please buy a ticket. It'll be awful. Please, it'll be awful. It'll be, it be genuinely Imagine terrible. how happy the Ramses will be. <laughs> <laughs> right, see you next week. We walk out, it's just James, Ed and the two Ramses front row. Yeah, no one they've, else. Got, they've got arse and all the tickets just to stare at us. <laughs> That'd be the ultimate play, wouldn't it? Off menu and the Ramses bought all the tickets and sat there to the four of them staring at us doing the podcast. I'd still um, yeah. perform it. Yeah, I'd still do it. Fuck them. I, I love yeah. like, getting aggressive about a situation that's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, anyway, see you next week and uh, hopefully you get some tickets. Bye. Bye. Bye.